you would open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And our core kids are dismissed. So preschool and elementary school, you are dismissed. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read from verse 23. Hebrews 11, verse 23. When you got it, say so. So. And it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Because they saw, him, because they saw he was a beautiful child, they were, and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Father, thank you so much. For your goodness, Lord God, thank you so much for your amazing grace and mercy that we know, Lord God, is so real and so evident in our lives, Lord God. Thank you for your word that is truth. We just pray this morning, Spirit of God, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church, that you would open our hearts today, Lord, that we would be hearers of your word, but not hearers alone, but that we would be doers of it. I pray that we would hear your voice speaking to us, Lord God, through the scriptures, and that you would use us, Lord God, to live them out and bring glory and honor to your name. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Telling a story, amen. 
Praise the Lord. We are in our um, Bible reading challenge. Today is day 78. For those of you that are following along in this Bible challenge, in the Bible reading challenge, I do apologize. Last week, uh, I did not get any videos out, and so I made a promise to the first service. I do not make promises, but I will make this one. I will do better next week. Amen? I'm going to do two, uh, two videos a day this week coming up. So I'm just kidding. I'm going to do one video at least this week. So we'll do better than last week. Um, but nonetheless, we want to stick in the scriptures. Um, we are on day, day 78, and we are in Judges 21 and Ruth chapters 1 and 2 today. So if you haven't read, you make sure that you get in there, you get in those scriptures, and um, hear what the Lord is speaking to your heart. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand, just put it up, and we want to make sure that you get one. The ushers will bring you one if you don't have an outline. It is important to us that everyone does, right, because we want you to be able to follow along in the introduction of the sermon. But we also want to make sure that you're able to answer some questions, take some notes, and hopefully this is helpful to you in making disciples because God calls us all to make disciples. And so as such, you know, sometimes it's difficult for us to know how to make a disciple. Well, the way that you make a disciple is by helping them grow in their faith. And the way that that happens is the way that you grow in your faith. And so one of the ways that you should be growing in your faith is by being in the scriptures, right? And by learning what the scriptures are teaching. And so hopefully Sunday mornings help your faith to grow and so you can take someone and you can help them grow and if you are not helping someone grow in their faith my challenge is that you would begin this week to pursue God and ask him who it is that you can help grow in their faith and so we are continuing in our living faith series we are today dealing with Moses and we're going to talk about delivering faith how many of y'all know who Moses is raise your hand real quick just raise them up Everybody, almost everybody, a couple of people don't have their hands up, so you don't know who Moses is, so I'm going to tell the whole story all over again. Um, praise the Lord, because I want to be fair to everyone, make sure everyone knows who Moses is. I know y'all just weren't raising your hands. It's okay, but here's the thing. Most of us know who Moses is. He is probably one of the most well-known Bible characters. He is known for a lot of things. He's known for the burning bush. He's known for a stuttering tongue. He's known for the Ten Commandments, but he is also known as a great deliverer. How many of y'all would say amen to that? When you think of what Moses did, right, Moses came into the most powerful nation at that time, single-handedly him and Aaron, right, his brother who was, you know, walking in there with him, a rod in his hand, and literally delivered thousands upon thousands of people from this bondage in Egypt. And it wasn't because he was so great, it was because of the God that he served was great. And he believed his God. He believed his God to do great things through him. And so he goes in there and does this. Moses, while imperfect, had a delivering faith. How many of y'all know that Moses was imperfect? I mean, the reality is, I mean, when you think about it, I, I, again, I, 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 I look at the Bible, and when we look at the scriptures, God is so gracious because he puts a whole bunch of messed up people in there and talks about them. Not just talks about them, but he talks about how he used them. Right? Why do you think that is like that? It's like that for us. Amen. It's like that for us so that way we can know that, look, God has never, ever looked for perfect people. He looks for people he can perfect. And more than that, he looks for people that he can use for his glory and for his honor's sake. And so Moses is a prime example of that. The guy argued with God. I mean, you would think after having the burning bush experience, like seeing that, hearing the voice of God, anything <clears throat> that God said would be yes and amen. But no, it wasn't yes and amen. He was like, um, no, not me. I can't even talk. How are you going to send me back there? Like he's given all of these excuses and all of these reasons why he couldn't go back to do what God had called him to do. And nonetheless, we see God using him. Second paragraph here, we are living in a day, an hour, that we need to be a people of delivering faith, mountain-moving faith, and faith that undeniably matters within the context that we find ourselves. 
What I want you to realize is that as, as, as we're going through this series and we're looking at these people of faith, it is to no avail that you learn about the faith of Abel, you learn about the faith of Abraham, you learn about the faith of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Sarah and Moses and everyone else that is named in these scriptures that we'll look at, and you get a bunch of knowledge about that, but your faith is not challenged. It is important that our faith is being influenced by looking at the lives of those that are here. The reason every time I watch the video, I always say he is still telling the story. He is still writing the story. Listen, he's not, he is not writing scripture. Are you here? He's not writing scripture anymore. Scripture is closed. What he is writing is the story. He's continuing on the redemption story. He's continuing to use us in order to bring life to those who are lifeless, in order to bring those the hope of the gospel and to bring change to those lives. But if we're not growing in our faith, if we're not growing in our determination to be those type of people that Jesus talked to his disciples about, you know, that had faith to move mountains, hello, somebody that we are not seeking to be those kind of people, that we're okay with just kind of coming to church and kind of going through the motions and kind of doing things. No, 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 no. We need to be those kind of people. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be a guy that just lived and preached for a few years and my life doesn't matter. Are you here? I didn't, and, and it's not because I want to make a great name for me. It's because I want to make sure that I have lived for the glory of God. You know what I realize is that we serve a great God who wants to do great things through his people. That's what I believe. And he wants to use us, and so we can either believe it or not, but when we look at these lives of these people, we should see that reality. Second part of that paragraph there, we don't need to, add, we don't need to seek an Egypt, an Egypt situation. We simply need to commit to walking with God as closely, obediently, and as faithfully as possible. In other words, you don't have to go and seek some big situation to go and try to change. What you need to do and I need to do is walk closely in intimate relationship with my God. Walk closely with him. Walk obediently according to the scriptures and be as faithful as I can to do everything that God has called me to do. As Pastor Chad points out, you know, when he was up here today doing communion, many of us, we have things that we know that we're supposed to do and we don't always do them. Hello. And there's some of us, there's sometimes things in our life that we know we shouldn't do, and we do those things. And so, there's, again, I want you to know we're not seeking, God, God is not seeking perfect people. When he called those disciples, I mean, come on, one of them was a thief, a liar, and was going and, and to do what? Was going to betray him later on. Hello. He wasn't seeking perfect people. He was seeking a people who would follow him and obey him. And so as I said last week, last paragraph here, as I said last week, our culture is in dire need of our faith. In the life story of Moses, we find the characteristic of a delivering faith. We must measure our lives in light of the scriptures to ensure these characteristics are evident or being developed in us. So notice what I said. They either need to be evident or they're being developed in us. Whenever we go through the scriptures, as I said, the whole Bible reading challenge for this year, decided to do it because I just feel like I want to make sure that the church is reading their Bibles. Amen. It's a good thing, right? Reading your Bible. But here's what I want you to realize. Reading your Bible is not enough. The goal, the, 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 the most minute part of the 365-day Bible reading challenge isn't that you can go to the end of the year and say, well, I read every chapter for three, you know, three days, you know, three chapters a day for the whole year. I got through the book of Revelation. Amen. That's not the ultimate goal. I mean, that's cool to be able to do that. But the reality is that we should come away from this year being changed by the scriptures. Why? Because the Bible says in the book of James that this is, the, that the perfect law of liberty is a mirror for us. And what do we do in the mirror? How many of y'all looked in the mirror this morning? 
Asked this question in first service, so I got to ask it again. How many of you did not even look in the mirror this morning? You just got up this morning, jumped out of bed, put on some clothes, just walked to church. Raise your hand if you did that. You didn't walk to church, you came to church. Raise your hand. Had one hand in the early service. Y'all are holy people. Amen. Izzy got some, you know, he, I mean, you know, I mean, Messi got some faith, right? He's like, yo, I'm, I'm, I look good. I'm good to go. Amen. Right? He was the only one. He raised his hand. He, he didn't even care. But the point is, what do we do? We went in front of the mirror. We looked at the mirror, and we were, and we we're fixing some stuff. Amen? Right? Because the way you looked from the moment you got out of bed to the moment you walked out the door is different. Amen. I'm just saying. Right? Like, there was some stark differences, <laughs> right, that, that occurred. You know, you saw some blemishes. You were like, let me fix that. Let me get that right there. That hair is out of place. I ain't got no hair out of place, but, you know, I got a little hair on my, on my face. But that hair was looking crazy. So you, you fixed some stuff before you walked out. Why? Because the mirror was telling you some things. The mirror was communicating, and you had a picture that you wanted to see. I hope you see it. Amen? But here's what I want you to know about this mirror. This mirror is not about what you want to see. It's about what God wants to see. And when you look into this mirror, what you are seeing is God saying, this is what I say I want from you. This is what I say you are supposed to do. Matter of fact, this is who I say you are. And you know what you have to do? You have to look back at the reflection and say, wait a second. I'm not doing what he says like he says. I'm not being who he says I am. I'm not believing the way he says that I am. And so what do we do? Do we walk away and say, well, there's no hope? No, because that same mirror is giving you hope by the grace of God to do what? To become everything God has called you to be. So we have to come to these scriptures with a heart that says, okay, God, I want you to speak to me. I want you to change my life. And so here's the big idea. Delivering faith moves us into the fulfillment of God's purposes. Let me say that again. Delivering faith moves us into the fulfillment of God's purpose. That is what I want you to get. And all of this that we see in the life of Moses is that this delivering faith that he had, it moved him to the fulfillment of God's purpose. It moved him in the direction that God wanted him to go, and it brought him to the fulfillment of what God's will was. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, delivering faith is to be passed on. Delivering faith is to be passed on. Look at verse 23. It says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. We find the mention of Moses' parents and we must realize that everything that we see in the life of Moses was passed on to him by his parents. Are you getting that? When you think about this, the story of Moses, you guys said you know the story, and so I won't go through all of the details of the story, but one thing that happens is Moses' parents put him in a basket after three months old because he's, you know, making noise, and they're like, okay, well, we're going to leave him into the hands of the Lord. And so he goes in this basket. He's going down the riverbanks, right? And as he's going down the riverbanks, he ends up coming up on the, uh, the, uh, the bathing place of Pharaoh's daughter by God's providence and by God's grace. And when he gets there, his sister Miriam has been doing what? She has been running down. She's, she's been running down and she's been looking at, you know, watching where he's going. And then all of a sudden, what does Pharaoh's daughter do? She gets the basket. She doesn't obey the command of her, of her father to kill all these babies, right? She sees him in there. She decides she's going to keep him and sends Miriam back to who? To go get one of the Hebrew women who can breastfeed. Well, guess who Miriam went and got? Got his mom. Hello. 
And so what happens? God graciously saves Moses and brings him into connection with his mother, a woman of faith, right, who is doing what? Who is taking this time, obviously, as she's breastfeeding him, developing this relationship. All of this is happening. Guess what's happening? The transfer of faith is happening. The, the, the revelation of who he is. Everything we're going to look at Moses doing starts off with this. It's not Moses' faith that we begin with. It is what? It is the faith of his parents. Delivering faith must be passed on from generation to generation, from neighbor to neighbor, from disciple to disciple, from friend to friend. We must pass it on. Moses' parents saw something in him, the scripture says, and were willing to rebel against the command of the king to preserve life. Now, when I look at the scripture, I have to point this out because I think that this is kind of funny. It says, because they saw he was a beautiful child. Amen. So I'm thinking, was he, if he would have been ugly, was he done? So y'all laugh. First service didn't laugh. They, they, they don't have a sense of humor in the first service. But it's like, it says he was a beautiful child, and so they saved him. It was like, okay, well, he's not ugly, so we're going to keep this one. I mean, you know, that, that, that was not the idea, right? I mean, that, that wasn't the depiction. They saw something in him. They saw something there, and then they were, they were willing to rebel against it. Every one of our parents, listen, you know, and, and listen, y'all know that what I'm about to say is true, and do not be offended, okay, no matter how old your child is. I'm a 40-year-old child, amen, I'm beautiful in my mom's eyes no matter what. But other people probably thought I wasn't that beautiful. Hello. You understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, listen, everybody's baby is beautiful in their own sight. I'm just saying. And sometimes they ain't even get a pass there, right? Sometimes like, uh-uh, this one, we got to pray for this one, glory to God. <laughs> amen. But listen to me, even if your child didn't get a pass because they weren't so beautiful, you would never do anything to harm them, would you? You're going to protect them. You're going to keep them. You're going to take care of them. And so they saw something. That, but here's the thing for us as parents. For us as parents, listen, we need to understand something. There is one Tim Tebow. Amen? Why do I say that? There's one guy that's this amazing man of faith. He's a, he may not be the best athlete, but hey, he got some stuff, so he must be pretty good. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, right? But here's the thing for me as a parent. I'll use myself as an example. My son, right? I was, you know, I was joking around. But my daughter and I, we were, you know, we're moving in the, in the middle of moving. Let me just say this. I forgot to say this in first service, but I, gotta, I just want to give a hand. Can we just give a hand to the core men here? The core men. Some of, some of the core men in this place, they showed up. We decided that we're going to start the core men moving team. All you have to pay us is breakfast, however many meals it takes for us to move you, and all donations are going to go to the building fund. Amen. So, so, but, but these guys are, are amazing. I mean, they, they got in there in like an hour and a half. We were moved. I was like, wow, this was quick, glory to God. And then they left as soon as they ate. So they're going to go on you. Once, once it's moved, they're gone. They ain't hanging out. So it's all good. You can stay there and keep on doing stuff. But anyway, in the process, you know, we're moving across the street. And so Josiah, he wants to run from one side of the street to the next side of the street. So he's like, come on, Daddy, let's run. And so I was really sore the first time he asked me to do that. And as I'm running, I'm running like an old man because I run like an old man anyway. And so as, as, as I'm running, my daughter's standing on the, on, the, on the driveway over there, and she's like, why does your side run faster than you? <laughs> At that point, I started running faster. I was like, he don't run faster than me. But what I realized is that in the context of all things, he doesn't run faster right now because he's like this big, right? But the truth is, his legs move much faster than mine. And I realize he's going to be much taller than I. So he's probably going to be able to dunk a basketball. He's probably going to be able to hit a baseball, you know, further than I ever will. He's probably going to be able to throw faster than me. He's going to be able to do all of those things. And you know what daddy has to do? Daddy has to recognize what God has called him to do, not what I hope he's going to do. 
Because if I'm going to pass on my faith to this young man, if I'm going to pass on my faith to my son, I got to make sure that I'm not spending a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of money trying to make him something he's never going to be. Are you here? I know a lot of parents want to hear that stuff, but that's just the reality. And we need to be able to see what God has called him to do. And, and, and this is what it shows us here about it. Moses' parents. They saw something upon him, and they're willing to rebel. Here's the thing I want you to realize about this, because they're willing to rebel against the command of Pharaoh, of the king. We are called to obey the laws of our land until they cause us to violate the laws of our Bible. Did you hear that? Hear me. We are called to obey the laws of our land. We are called to keep the laws of our land unless they call us to violate the laws of our Bible. And listen, we live in a culture that is pressing the church to do what? It's pressing the church to rebel. It is pressing the church to ignore its mandate to stand firm upon the truth of God in light of the lies of the enemy. Are you here? We live in a culture, listen, a lot of us think, well, you know what, I'm just going to live holy and I'm just going to worry about me. I'm going to live holy and I'm just going to worry about myself. You know, I was reading a scripture in Romans chapter 1. And when I came to Romans chapter 1, you read through this scripture. It is not talking about how God deals with the church. It is talking about how God has dealt with his creation. This is what Romans 1 talks about. It's not talking about this is how church people should live. It's talking about this is how creation and God are supposed to operate together. And in the last verse of that chapter, it says, and they knowing, they knowing the command of God, they knowing the standard of God, not only practice such things, but they approve of those who practice such things. And so what the scripture does is it brings those two things together. It's not just about you not practicing evil. It is about you not allowing evil to pervade your culture. Are you here? And so what that means is that we cannot just stand by idly and allow our culture to continue to go by the wayside. And we need to stand up and be those people who are a voice for righteousness in our culture. We're not trying to make the culture Christian. We're trying to make the culture honor God. We're trying to let the culture know what God says because we are not the representatives of the Christian church. We're not the representatives of the Republican Party. We're not the representatives of the Democratic Party. We are the representatives of the kingdom of God. And we are called to stand firm in the culture against all of those things that would oppose God's will and his word. I didn't get a hand clap in the first service. I appreciate that. Amen. Listen, the truth of the matter is, and I wasn't looking for a hand clap anyway, but I appreciate, I appreciate the support. But the truth of the matter is we're called to pass on faith. And Jesus was one that was filled with grace and truth, not just grace. Because we want to offer people grace, grace, grace. But hold on a second. You misuse grace when you don't have the truth. You abuse grace when you don't have the truth. As a matter of fact, you, you could be a Christian and you misapply scripture all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Read the context. Hello, somebody. It's not just talking about you doing everything you want to do. It's talking about you enduring suffering, hardship, going through difficulty. That's what it's saying. You can do all things. I can endure all of these things. I just do whatever I want to do. 
As disciples of Jesus, our faith must be passed on to the next generation as well as our next door neighbors. Our faith must influence the lives of those around us in a tangible way. Here's what I, this is my hope, my prayer, my desire is that our faith would not just be in the box of the church, but that our faith would be vibrant, that our faith would be living, that our faith would impact all of those around us. You know, when you think about this, as you live your life in obedience, have you as you live your life closely to the Lord, as you live your life faithfully to the Lord, people are not always going to appreciate your faith. They're not always going to applaud your faith. They're not always going to be on the same side as you. Many times they're going to oppose you. But you know what the beauty of it is? The beauty of it is your faith can still be impacting their lives. When they go through hardship, you know who they're going to come to? That guy, that girl that was walking closely, that was walking obediently, that was walking faithfully with the Lord. That's who they're coming to. Doesn't mean you, it does not mean you need to be a jerk. It doesn't mean you need to be insensitive. It doesn't, mean you mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean you need to be rude. On the contrary, you need to be holy and loving. Hello, somebody. You need, to be in, you, you need to live in a way that brings glory and honor to God but doesn't degrade people. Are you here? Even, even, come on now, even those people that you really cannot stand. Hello. That's why Jesus said to pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Why? Because you ain't got a right to be rude to them just because they're your enemies. You need to love them. You need to care for them. Second thing I should repeat after me is they say, delivering faith, delivering faith. Refuses, refuses false identity, false identity. And, fleeting comfort. and fleeting comfort. Delivering faith refuses false identity and fleeting comfort. Look at what it says here in verse 24. It says, by faith Moses, so he went from his parents, now looking on, by faith Moses when he became of age, so now when he's old enough to make decisions for himself, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I need you to understand how important that is right there. This guy, you know, Moses, let's just pause for a moment, right? We'll read the rest of those two scriptures in a minute. But Moses was taught, right? Acts chapter 7, 22, is, is, you, you can write that down as a reference there. It talks about him being educated in all the ways of Egypt, right? And so he's, he's a man who was, I already explained to you how he got there. He's, a, he's, he's the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so he is there, and he is being educated. He is being taught. He has, listen, he has a free pass. You know, you know how some of y'all are looking, looking at colleges, you know, and they talk about there, there's different scholarships. I learned this the other day. You know, there's like a, it's like, it's like a full ride, but it's not really a full ride. I don't understand that. But anyway, that makes sense to me. But nonetheless, I thought full ride meant full ride, right? But there's like something in there. Like, there's a full ride, and there's a full ride, right? Let me just tell you, this was the, the full ride. This was the real ride. This was, this was not the one you still got to pay for books. You still got to pay for that. No, no, no. This is the one that paid for everything, right? This is the one that every student on planet Earth wants to the exact college they want to go to. And they want, look, this is the one. This guy has all of that. And then the scripture says he refused to be called Pharaoh's son. When he comes of age, when he has a right to make a decision, he decides, nope, I'm not going to be called Pharaoh's son. So he's rejecting all of this stuff. Look what it says here. It says, choosing, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I love that text right there. He chooses rather. Now, how many of y'all, now think about this for a moment. It's not saying that he was going to be in sin. He's talking about all the sinfulness that is surrounding the Egyptians, the idolatry, all of the things that they were given into. He was like, I am not going to give, the, I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going to participate in the full ride. I am going over here to the place of suffering. Come on now, none of us are really going to do that. And think about it now. 
I have some choices to make here, right? I, I'm going I'm to either suffer for Christ. I'm not going to get that promotion because I'm going to stand firm on truth. I'm not going to be part of that crowd because I'm just not going to stand. I, I mean, I'm not going to do those things. I mean, this is where, this is where he is. Look, man, I could, be in with, I could be in with the in crowd. I can be part of it. I can get everything that I want over here. And he says, nope, I don't want that. Because of what? Because he, because he understood his identity and his identity wouldn't allow him to accept the comforts that were there that were passing. Notice, sin is a pleasure that is passing. Say passing. passing. It's not something, sin is fun for a season. It's, you know, it's, it's good for a moment. And sadly, people throw their lives away for that passing pleasure. People, people throw their marriages away for that passing pleasure. People throw their children away for that passing pleasure. People throw all kinds of stuff away for that passing pleasure. But Moses gives us an example, and he doesn't do that. Look at verse 26. It says, esteeming, he was exalting the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Say, look to the reward. He looked to the reward. He wasn't looking for a reward. He was looking to it. And so what was he doing? He was looking to Christ who is our reward. See, if, if we are to have delivering faith like that of Moses, we must look to the reward. What is the reward? Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is the reward. He's who we're looking to. It's not anything else. It's not, it, it, there's nothing greater than him. See, what we have to realize is that when we decide that we are going to choose Christ over the world, then we are guaranteed suffering. We are guaranteed hardship. We are guaranteed difficulty. We are not guaranteed, we are not guaranteed an easy life. We are, we are guaranteed abundant life. It's easy life or abundant life. Which one do you want? Abundant life is what we should want. The life that Christ offers us. Third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, delivering faith is rooted in the God of the gospel. Delivering faith is rooted in the God of the gospel. I emphasize this, God. I want you to circle that in your notes, in your outline. The God of the gospel, not just the gospel. Listen, the gospel is important for sure, but I want you to understand this. Look at verse 20, look at verse 27 here. It says, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. And so what we need to see here, I love what Dr. Vance Havner said. He said, Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. I'll say that again. Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. This is true, but it is due to an unrelenting faith in God Almighty. It wasn't just an unrelenting faith in facts. See, what I want you to get is, 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 is this type of faith, this delivering faith, has to be rooted in the God of the gospel, not just the facts of the gospel. See, the facts of the gospel are what? It is that we are all born into sin, for sure, are we not? 
We are all born into sin. Every one of us dead in our trespasses. Every one of us rebels against God. We are all like sheep that go astray. These are facts that are written in the scriptures. The Bible shows us that we cannot be good enough to do what? To inherit the kingdom of God on our own. So we must be born again. Our works don't save us. Our our goodness doesn't save us. The fact that we're better than our neighbor doesn't make us good enough in God's eyes. Are you here? And so what happens is because we are born into sin, because we rebel against God, and because our works can do nothing to appease God, guess what? Everybody is under the same condemnation, which is what? Eternal separation from God in hell. Those are facts. Those are realities that should scare us and should cause us to think, man, where am I standing with God? The beauty of the gospel is what? Is that because God knows we are rebellious, because God knows we are sinful, because God knows that we cannot save ourselves he comes to this earth sending his son to die in our place doing what bridging the gap between a sinful people and a sinless God this is beautiful God does not want to leave us in our sins the Bible says he wills that none would perish but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ this is what he this is his heart this is his desire and so he sends his son dies in our place and offers us what offers us the opportunity to put our faith in him to put our trust in him and to live a life that does what brings glory and honor to him that's what he does Gives us a new identity. So no longer does he see us as sinners, he sees us as saints. No longer does he deal with us as rebels, he deals with us as brothers as brothers and sisters in Christ, as his family, as his children. That's what he does. And then he promises us this eternity to be with him. But can I tell you something? All of those facts will not change your heart. Being able to go to every single scripture that talks about all of those things alone will not change your heart. You want to know what changes your heart? The same thing that changed my heart 20-something years ago. God walked into my room and changed my life. It is the God who reveals himself to us that changes us. So what am I telling you? In order for you to be changed, you need a burning bush? No. What I'm telling you, in order for you to be changed, you need a prayer closet. You need a place where you are separating yourself with your God. Listen, don't depend on a Sunday morning. Don't depend on a worship team. Don't depend on mommy and daddy. Don't depend on family devotionals. You need to find yourself in the presence of the almighty God of the gospel who will change you. And then all of a sudden, when you start reading about that death of Jesus, you start thinking about what he did for you. All of a sudden, your heart begins to change. All of a sudden, gratefulness begins to rise up. Suddenly, you no longer want to sin against this God because you're no longer sinning against commandments you're sinning against the commander see there is a difference between sinning or breaking laws and you doing what and you being and and you being a rebel against the one who gave those laws and lovingly desires to save you so you got you we have to be rooted in this gospel we have to be rooted in this in in this understanding And, and why do I sell this because the first thing is we see what did Moses do the first time Moses left Egypt he was fearful are you hearing me a lot of commentators are like oh the Bible contradicts itself because when Moses fled Egypt he fled there in fear you're right the first time he did the first time he did, when he was 40 years old, he fled because he killed someone and the, and the knowledge got, he was like, man, the knowledge is going to get to the Pharaoh and he's going to kill me. And so he fled in fear for sure. But when he came back, I was a different guy. When he walked out of there after, the, after that night of the Passover, it was a different guy. He wasn't fearful like that. He wasn't fearful because what? Because he had encountered the commander of the armies of God. Because he knew the God of the Bible. Because now he didn't just know scriptures. He didn't just know promises that his mother told him about. He didn't just know about this Messiah that was promised. He didn't just know about all of that stuff. But he knew this God. 
Therefore, he looked to what? He looked to the reward. Verse 28 says, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And so we have this institution of the Passover. We do communion every Sunday morning. And why do we do that? Because it is a constant reminder. Israel was reminded yearly about what happened when they were delivered from the children, when, when they were delivered from Egypt. They're reminded by that in the Passover. You and I are reminded that Jesus is our Passover. That's what we're reminded of. They were reminded of how God delivered them, brought them out of this bondage. And here's what was happening. When that communion meal, when that, when that communion, I mean, not, not communion, when the Passover was being instituted, you want to know what was happening? Faith was rising up. The faith of Moses was being built. The faith of his people should have been being built as well. But, you know, we would have been just like them because they went out in the wilderness and they did what? They started to rebel against God, right? They all, all, they're out there in the wilderness after they came through the Red Sea, after they did all this stuff. And they're like, yo, man, you know, we ain't got no water. Slap somebody, please. Hello. And then God gives them water and he gives them manna. And all of a sudden, oh, the manna's not good enough. Hello. <laughs> got to give them quail, right? I mean, just some rebellion. But can I tell you something? That's all of us. Come on, now think about how good God has been to you and think about how much you have complained since you, last time he was good to you. Right? Even if, even, even, if, even, if, even if it didn't come out of your mouth, but it was in your heart. Think about that. That's how we are. Rebellious people to the core. So the reality is God is building the faith, of the, the, the faith of his people. The Egyptians experienced God's judgment, the last verse tells us here, due to their rebellion against God. What was, what, what was happening? If you, you can write this down, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 12. When God institutes the Passover, what is he doing? He tells Moses that he is going to judge the gods of the Egyptians. All of these plagues were about that, judging the gods of the Egyptians, bringing judgment upon them because of what? Because of their rebellion. Are you here? Isn't it because God just wanted to be mean and nasty and vengeful? No, 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 hold on a second. It is because of their rebellion, because this Pharaoh hardened his heart against God. And oh yeah, your Bible tells you that God hardened Pharaoh's heart for sure. But you need to read a little bit more earlier because Pharaoh hardened his heart continually, continually against God before God did any hardening. Are you here? Wasn't just, you know what, I'm just going to pick you to harden your heart today. Hey, that's what I'm doing. It wasn't how that was. There was a rebellion that came from this man against God. And so because he rebelled, you know what, God said, yeah, I raised you up for what? So I could show my glory in the earth. Because you're going to rebel against me, but I'm going to use your rebellion for my glory. I'm going to show the nations, and guess what? 2,000-something years, thousands, thousands of years later, guess what? Preachers are going to be talking about what you did to execute judgment upon the gods of, Israel, of Egypt. To show your glory and power. And so this is what God does. He brings this judgment upon them. But you know what he does? Because of his covenant with Israel. Because of a guy by the name of Abraham years and years ago. Because of a covenant that was made. You know what he does? He spares them. And he does what? He shows them mercy. He shows them mercy. And for us as the children of God, we have got to have the same heart. We have got to have the same mind. We must be rooted and grounded in the faith that has delivered us and offers deliverance to all. Listen to me. Who will believe in Jesus and turn to him for salvation? You see, if we're going to have a delivering faith that's going to make a difference in our culture, then we have to be those kind of people. The kind of people that are overwhelmed by the, the truth of what Jesus did for us. The kind of people that believe that the great I am lives in us. The kind of people that believe that that same God, I see, I don't know your story, I know my story, I'm going to share it on, on Easter Sunday, so make sure you invite your friends and you come out because I'm going to talk about the resurrection, but I want to talk about a resurrection reality. See, because the truth of the matter is, is that God walks in to our lives and he changes our lives. He changes our hearts. And what I want you to know is that if 
God did that for you and did that for me, he can do it for all others. He can do it for anyone else who will put their faith in him. He can change their hearts. That is why Jesus came to bring deliverance. But you know what? If we don't believe this stuff, think about this. If we don't believe this stuff, I'll give you a little, a little picture until y'all have heard this before. But if my mom didn't believe this stuff, I wouldn't be standing here today. If my mom didn't believe that God can deliver my son from the sin that he's in, from the rebellion that he's in, guess what? I wouldn't be here today. But God used her as a vessel to do what? To bring deliverance to my life. And I want you to know God wants to use us to be vessels of deliverance in the lives of many of those who are out there that we're surrounded by. Listen, not every person is going to be delivered. That doesn't mean that you don't try. Hello. That doesn't mean that you don't believe for them. That doesn't believe that you don't pray for them. That doesn't believe that you don't communicate the truth to them. That doesn't mean that you don't love them the way that they need to be loved. Hello. So my closing question is this. Do you possess a delivering faith? Do you possess a delivering faith? Moses had a delivering faith. His faith for sure brought deliverance. Do you have a delivering faith? It is only in Christ that our faith can be a delivering faith. Listen, it's not about my faith. It's about who my faith is in. Are you here? There's plenty of people out there, they have some kind of faith. But the only faith that changes is the one that's in someone who has the power to bring change. The one who grants repentance, the one who gives faith, the one, the, the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. Him. It's in him. And so do we have that delivering kind of faith? See, because here's the thing. It's by grace that we stand firm upon his word, which possesses his commandments, his warnings, and his promises. See, the delivering kind of faith that we have to have, it comes from us understanding who is the one who authored this Bible. Who is the one who spoke this into existence? It is God himself. And it is in his commands. It is in his truth. It is in his warnings. It is in his promises that we can go to others and we can communicate to them. And we can let them know that there's hope in them. Not just because of my experience, but because of what our Bible teaches us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today. We come to you with humble hearts. We come to you acknowledging that you are the great I am, that you are the king, that you are the reigning ruler, that you are righteous, that you are our deliverer, that you are great God. Father, we acknowledge you that you are the king supreme and you reign and rule in righteousness. And God, today, Lord, we humble ourselves. And I pray in this place, Lord God, for anyone in here who does not know you, God. Anyone in here who is not your follower, is not your child. Anyone in here who is still rebelling against you. Lord, save them today. Lord, draw them to you today. Deliver them from their sin, Lord God. Deliver them from their blindness. Show them that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life. Show them what you did for them on that cross. Make it real, God. Father, I pray for those in this place that know you, God, that are walking with you but maybe don't have that delivering faith. Maybe their, their faith is waned, Lord God. Maybe their faith is struggling. Maybe their faith is not there where it needs to be, God. I pray for them today, God, that you would fill them with a passion for you, that you would fill them 
with a great hunger for you, that you would refine, that you would renew, that you would regenerate that faith in them, Lord God. Well, I pray for all of us in this place, God, that we would all be deliverers in the sense, Lord God, that we have a faith that points to you, Lord God, a faith that points others to you, God, and that we would be vessels that would believe, Lord God, as Moses did, Lord God, that we would believe and see the impossible things happening, Lord God. Those lives around us, those co-workers, those neighbors, Lord God, those family members, Father, let us become desperate in our pursuit of you for them, Lord God. Let us believe you for them, Lord God. Let us love them with a, with a, with a love, Lord, that demonstrates who you are, God. Use us to be voices of truth, Lord. Let us know your commands. Let us know your promises. Let us know what you say in your word, and let us not waver, Lord God, in our belief of them. Father, today we cry out to you, Lord. We cry out to you, God. Bring deliverance to our nation, Lord God. Bring deliverance to our land, Lord God. Bring deliverance to our neighbors. Bring deliverance, Lord God, to our children that don't know you, God. Bring deliverance, Lord God, from the rebellion that there is against you, my Lord. Bring deliverance to our White House, my God. Bring deliverance, my Lord, to those who are in desperate need of you in this nation and in the nations of the world. God, we need your delivering power. Bring glory. Bring power. Bring your kingdom, my God. Oh, Lord, we need you. Father, we surrender to you today. It's your will be done, Lord God, on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. We pray this in the good and mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen.